I had this intuitive thought that I would never reach my full potential as a human being unless I quit drinking. That thought, it was a knowing, and I'm not sure exactly when it came to me, but I remember just knowing I'm never going to reach my full potential as a human unless I quit drinking. And it had nothing to do with earning potential or career potential. It had to do with literal human potential. I'm not going to fulfill what I'm supposed to do here unless I give up alcohol. And you'd think that that would be a spiritual awakening and I would quit. No, I still went on for a couple years drinking, knowing that one day I would definitely have to quit. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you're all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12 step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride. Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Hello, ladies and gents. That was the voice of Miss Megan P., the one and only Miss Megan P., that you heard at the beginning of this episode today. We are calling this episode today, Recovery Provides Everything That Alcohol Promised. And uh, you are in for a treat listening to Miss Megan P. Uh, But first things first, this episode is brought to you by Jessica, Dawn, and Tammy. Jessica, Dawn, and Tammy all went to our website, SoberSpeak.com, clicked on the Donate tab, and made a contribution. Thank you so, so much from the bottom of my heart. Jessica, Dawn, and Tammy, this episode is for you. Doesn't mean that everybody else can't listen in, but this episode is dedicated to you. So, in talking to Ms. Megan P. today, we're going to cover a variety of topics. We talk about, she, Megan is a Reiki practitioner. If you don't know what Reiki is, I think it's an ancient J- Japanese practice, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, stay tuned and you'll learn about it. Uh, I did not know what Reiki was before we actually had uh, the podcast session here. We talk about yoga, prayers and meditation. We talk about staying sober through the holidays. I talk about an eating disorder of Megan's. And um, it is just absolutely a fantastic episode. I know you're going to enjoy it. Um, So I have a couple of different asks of you. Um, Number one is that if you are enjoying an episode from this podcast or the podcast as a whole, Sober Speak, if you would pause your device and share it with a family member or friend, I sure would appreciate it. I absolutely love 
these guests who come in here and they're so vulnerable and they share their experience, strength, and hope. And I want them to be heard by as many people as possible. And um, uh, if you could help me get the word out there, I would be so, so, so appreciative of it. Uh, if you're an iTunes, excuse me, an iTunes or Apple podcast, as they call it, subscriber, please leave a review. It kind of helps us in the various algorithms. Um, and if you could follow me on social speak, excuse me, if you could follow me on Instagram, I sure would appreciate it. We've been getting a lot of good activity there lately. It's sober speak, all one word. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can. It's sober underscore speak there. Uh, and this is not really an ask, but I have had many people ask me in the past, how do I, how, how can I subscribe to, how, how can I get automatic notifications for Sober Speak, the podcast. And if you text the word sober, S-O-B-E-R, to 31996, once again, that's S-O-B-E-R, the word sober, to 31996, it'll give you a couple of links there uh, that will kind of walk you through that process. Now, just a little bit of a listener feedback, and we will get started with Miss Megan P., First piece of feedback uh, is from Rita. Rita writes in, she says, Hi, John. Discovered your podcast by listening to The Recovery Show. By the way, if you haven't heard of The Recovery Show, it is very similar to my podcast, uh, but it is uh, a more Al-Anon based that I promise to get more Al-Anon people on the program this year. In fact, I, uh, I, I've i got a call out to several different friends. I'm waiting for a word back and uh, I find AA people easier because it's the world that I run in, but I want to get more Al-Anon folks recorded this year. But anyway, back to Rita's uh, letter. She says, hi, John. I said letter, email, but nonetheless. Hi, John. I discovered your podcast by listening to The Recovery Show. And by the way, that's that's uh, Spencer's uh, show, The Recovery Show. It's an absolutely wonderful podcast. I joined Al-Anon a year and a half ago when the results of my adult son's drinking were wreaking havoc havoc on my family. Educating myself on alcoholism has been a top priority for me. Knowledge truly is power and a greater understanding of alcoholic behaviors has helped me to become much more compassionate um, and open and stronger in how I deal with them. Listening to your speakers has also been very enlightening for me. So many times as I listen to, as I listen, I hear my son's story and that is incredibly comforting. Your speakers have been through so much and have acquired so much wisdom and that what they share is valuable and gives me great hope. This might be an odd choice of words, but I feel the disease of alcoholism and the AA but I find the disease of alcoholism and the AA program, quote, fascinating, unquote. By the way, Rita, I find Al-Anon fascinating as well. I completely get it. I have learned so much about how and why the program works for people by hearing their stories. I am always amazed at how the how articulate they are and how they interpret the steps and how they apply them to their own lives. Thank you so much for providing this resource for me and other loved ones of alcoholics 
Rita S. Well, that just lights my heart up so much, Rita. I really, really appreciate you writing in, uh, and I'm so glad we're able to be that resource for you, and God bless you and your son and your family. Here's another letter from Kay. Kay says, Hi, John. I've been keeping up I've been keeping up with Sober Speak podcasts when they air, so I'm not sure how I missed it before, but I just listened to Jessica F's podcast and absolutely devoured every word she said. Exclamation point. She has a great message, and I appreciate how she has so much time by staying in the solution and being active in AA. I especially appreciated her touching on the self-sabotaging dialogues many of us alcoholics tend to have with ourselves and how to manage and to redirect those conversations. It was such a great podcast that I called my sponsor and told her she should make sure she listens in on that one exclamation point. By the way, my sponsor is the one that shared sober speak with me. It is also really cool to hear from people that came in quote early unquote. I started my journey in AA early as well. Not quite as young as her, but hope to be one of those members of AA with decades under my belt one day. I hope so too, Kay. Um, I have, I've had a hard time making meetings because of my work commute schedule is so long So I have been re-listening to these podcasts to keep sobriety on my radar and as a part of my daily life. Thank you so much, as always, for hosting these podcasts. I can imagine it takes tons of hours and work and equipment and sacrificing your free time to to produce these, and I'm so glad to contribute to making sure that these can stay on the air. They've helped me tremendously and are such a wonderful resource, especially to those of us that are new in recovery and are truly taking it one day at a time. I hope you have a Merry Christmas and a wonderful New Year! Exclamation point. Sincerely, Kay. By the way, this is me now speaking, not the uh, email. Uh, the 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 episode that she referenced, Jessica F, is episode number forty one. It's called "The Gifts of Freedom in AA." Well, Kay, God bless you. Thank you so much for writing in. Thank you for listening. Uh, it is absolutely fantastic to hear that folks like you are benefiting from this out here. It does take a little bit of time, but it is a labor of love. God bless you and your family. So now we are on to Miss Megan P. Enjoy the podcast. Okay, today we have Miss Megan P. On the podcast here on Sober Speak, uh, can you say hello, Miss Megan? Hey, everyone. Um, so this is a little bit uh, more interesting. Uh, first of all, why don't you give your uh, sobriety date, if you would, please, Miss sure. Megan? Sure. Yep. I'm Megan. I'm an alcoholic, and my sobriety date is six twenty two fifteen. And Megan lives here in the uh, Frisco, Texas area with me. We actually attend the same meeting, the Frisco Group. If you're ever uh, um, in this area, we would love you for you to pop by. But nonetheless, uh, this is the reason that this is different today is because 
Megan uh, is a, um, what's the term? Reiki? Reiki practitioner. Can you spell that? Sure. It's R-E-I-K-I. R-E-I-K-I. Now, I'm sure there are people that are much more learned than I am out there in this world who are going to know what that is. I had never heard of it before. Mm -hmm. Um, I heard Megan actually speaking about this particular practice at a, and by the way, we're going to get into her AA story, but I just wanted to start it off talking about this because Megan just came over here and for me and my wife did a, what do you call it? A session, I guess. Yeah, a Reiki session. A Reiki session. And, um, as she, we, so I just got up out of this session and we have had not had a chance to talk about it. And I wanted to let her know what I experienced on this. So it is really hard for me to describe, but I had tons of, and I don't know what was going on on your side or what you were doing. just so mm-hmm. you all know, basically I was laying flat on a, uh, uh, a cot, a, a mat, you know, mm-hmm. and she made both me and my wife very comfortable. She did as a separate times, by the way. She did my wife first, and then I went second. My wife is down there napping right now because oh, good, <laughs> good. it made her feel very good that she wanted to yeah. go have a nap. And I was uh, on this cot, and there was music playing in the background. And then Megan had some singing bowls. And she'll be able to explain this much better than I in just a moment. But from my perspective, Megan, I had a ton of involuntary, you know, like when your rapid eye movement mm-hmm. in your yeah. in your body is just kind of uh, uh, moving. Yeah. I had a ton of that. Mm. And I could definitely tell there were times to where I felt heat within particular areas of my body, whether it was my upper body, my lower body, wherever it was, I felt this heat, this kind of energy. And I could tell for sure, I heard you kind of, I could hear you moving away and you would move away and that heat would quit. Mm. All right. So what are, so I have no idea what you were doing. <laughs> so what are you go ahead Neither and do tell I. The, no, Yeah, right. Yeah. So you tell the audience what Reiki is, what yeah. you're doing and possibly what, what it was like from your end. Sure. Okay. So, um, man, just like so many things that we talk about in the program, it's just, it's kind of just me calling in my higher power and praying over people, asking for the energy to be given to me so that I can pass that on to whoever I'm working on at the time. So it's really not about, has very little to do with me per se, and just the fact that I'm calling in my higher power to come in. I pray um, before I begin, just like um, I start the morning every day with prayer, Um, pray for the person that I'll be working on. And then it's just, um, as you experienced, Sometimes I place my hands on the head, for example, but most of the time the hands are just hovering over the body and it's really just a prayerful meditation. Okay. So your hands were hovering over my body throughout that. Mm -hmm. And I think I said this, but I had a lavender cloth on my eyes, so I couldn't see anything. So you're hovering over the body. I mean, do what I just explained to you, is that common for what people... Totally. So people, different people experience different things, but since it is working with the energy systems in the body, that's really involuntary movement is very normal. And okay. so, yeah, I see that a lot. And so what, can, what can we take for, I mean, like, can you read anything Did I mean, were you able to read my mind? I mean, no. what's going on? <laughs> no, I can't, I can't read anybody's mind. And really what I'm doing, the, um, what my focus is on is on just 
bringing the energy in and giving it out. Um, so it's just like just being a vessel and streaming it. So sometimes things will come into my mind. Um, sometimes I'll feel energy different as I, d- different people have different energy and I can feel that right away. But really? in terms, yeah. Like with your hands when you're hovering yes. over. Yes. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I hope you don't. So yeah. when, when you were hovering over me, I mean, yeah. is it like evil energy? No. Is it good energy? <laughs> no, you're pretty me? charged up. It's a lot of creative energy. That's, ah. that's actually what I got from, oh. from that. Just okay. that it's a lot of creative energy that you're a person with like a lot of ideas and that came through really? in the reading. Yeah, absolutely. And like, so with my wife, I don't want to give away her energy, yeah. but I don't think she'd mind me talking oh, about for what, sure. I mean, she, by the way, my wife, and let me just tell the audience this, she woke up this morning, Megan was already scheduled to do this. My wife woke up with a migraine and um i I don't know what went on within that session right Mm -hmm. but i know that when my wife came out of it she told me that the head throbbing that she was Mm -hmm. having uh that had ceased and she felt very what she called light Mm -hmm. uh and i also felt that lightness like i felt like i I was uh, it was almost like i had a hard time balancing or getting my senses together you know that Mm -hmm. the court is sort of uh i was a little bit out of it in a good way you know not not like not like an an lsd way or anything like that Mm -hmm. but i was just i was out of it so yeah so what what i So for Shannon, it was more, so yeah, she had just come off of a migraine. She had a more calm and subdued energy. And I'm guessing that that's probably because she was kind of tired, you know? So, so you guys did read very different and that might be different each time I, you know, if I was to work on you next week, it might, it might be different, but she just dropped right in. And she said, she shared with me that she's receptive to this stuff. And definitely she, you could tell she just, she got calm and still. And I'm just grateful that both of you guys were so open to it. So that yeah. was, it was really cool. Cool yeah. experience. Yeah. That heat is just some, I just couldn't get yeah. over. It. I go, where does that heat come yeah. from? And then mm-hmm. I, I swear I, you know, and I don't know if this is in my head or what, but you backed off. It was getting near the end of the session and you backed off and all of a sudden I like that heat just I go, where'd that heat go? And it was weird. I kind of wanted the heat back. You know, yeah. I'm like, yeah, but, but we had to do the podcast. Yeah, totally. We had to get out of the podcast. And it's funny. So you experience this heat. I feel it as a cooling sensation coming out of my hands. So it's just it's so interesting that people usually pick up on it as it feels kind of almost like a heat. But I, what I'm feeling is a coolness. So it is, it's just the whole thing is wild and they're using it more now in um, hospitals um, as part of patient's therapy. So it's, yeah, it's getting to be more and more well-known. All right. Yeah. All right. So if anybody has any sort of questions about that and you want to email me, if you email at feedback at uh, uh, soberspeak.com, it comes right to me, John, uh, John M here, and I can uh, uh, get your comments over to to Megan and get you in contact with her if you want to have a discussion with her. All right. So, okay. So, well, let's get into the the reason, the the Mm -hmm. primary reason, right, to be here. Uh, By the way, I should make this a... uh, a requirement for all guests on the podcast now that they come over and do a 30 minute Reiki session yeah. or hour Reiki <laughs> session with me before they yeah. actually start. It's an awesome oh, way to kidding. start an interview. <laughs> all right. So, 
Uh, let's get into your story. So Megan P, where, first of all, where do you want to start your story, right? I know you didn't grow up in this area. I know mm-hmm. you were in the Northeast, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So just tell me, you know, give me a thumbnail sketch of your background, where you came from, whatever you want to say about your family, and then we'll go from there. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I'm originally from New York. I grew up in New York and I'm one of four Irish Catholic family, very Irish. We just got our ancestry DNA test back and we are very, very Irish to confirm that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that, you know, you can guess, uh, where the drinking might've, <laughs> we all blame, I've realized that we all kind of blame our, um, you know, our heritage, whether you're German, Italian, Irish, but were you Catholic as well? Mm-hmm. Were you- my, yeah. My mom switched over to, um, Episcopalian when we were younger, but yeah, I was baptized Catholic. You hear a lot of, yeah. and the only reason I ask, you hear a lot of people in uh, AA talking about being a CIA a Totally, Catholic, yes. Irish, I alcohol. didn't have, I was Episcopalian in my most formative religious years, so I don't have some of those Catholic hangups. Gotcha. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you were Catholic growing mm-hmm. up, one of four. Yeah, one of four. Um, and basically... Um, well, I mean, my mom is in the 12-step program. She got into Al-Anon when I was younger. There was addiction in my house. I have a um, family member who, unfortunately, at the age of 49, passed away from cirrhosis of the liver. So that's part of my story, um, backstory, that really plays an important role because that was kind of my intro to what alcoholism looked like. So um, that was... And so what was your experience like with your, with your mom? Like, in other words, what was your impression your mom was going to Al-Anon and your impression of uh, just 12 steps in general? Was it a positive one? So positive. Okay. So positive. Yeah. After my uncle passed away from cirrhosis of the liver, my, um, my mom got really nervous because she took a look around her and just saw that my family history has a lot of um, addiction in it. And so she got herself right into Al-Anon. Um, I went with her once or twice. And I remember thinking that these people are so cool, so nice. Um, they just seemed very wise. You know, anybody working on themselves just, I don't know, it's something that you can kind of tell right away. You could tell that these people were really working on their on their stuff. And so I had a very good impression of um, people in recovery in general. Good. All yeah. right. So the seed was planted. The seed was planted. My mom planted the seed. And I think we've spoken about this also by coming home one day, um, kind of in a panic. And we were all a little bit younger. And I remember we were eating cereal for breakfast. And my mom was like, you guys might as well just consider yourself alcoholics like right now. And this is well before I was in, you know, drinking age. But she wanted she, she made it a point to plant that seed that there's so much alcoholism in my family around us that we would be extremely lucky it would be near impossible to not end up alcoholic ourselves so she planted that seed from a very young age i thought it was crazy i couldn't relate to it at all at that time but then that's eventually what ended up you know that kind of rang what what were you eating Uh, frosted flakes (laughs) it was probably frosted flakes and looked up from my bowl and was like what is she talking about you know once again how old are you oh god i was probably like an adolescent maybe 12 or 13 or something. Yeah. But she's saying, watch out. Watch out, guys. You are. Absolutely. You guys are all probably alcoholics. (laughs) You know, like you probably should just know that right now. Yeah. Better to err on the side of caution. And that kept me sober through high school. Like that kept me not drinking. Her saying that and that with my uncle passing away of cirrhosis of the liver um, kept me from having a drink 
um, until college. So that actually, I was very interested in being the good kid. So I didn't want to disappoint her. I also was scared of alcohol since I saw it turn, you know, turn my uncle yellow. Like he, he just looked awful at the time of his death. And, um, so it, I was scared straight for a little bit. Yeah. So then you get to college. I went to college. Yeah. Some of the fear wears off. Yeah. The fear, and by the wears way, off. you were, a, you were, a, you were, a. a, a collegiate you were an athlete in my yeah friend. so that's also what kept me um kind of on the straight and narrow through high school athletics I poured myself into sports I was um a soccer player I played field hockey and I really that that's where I got my self-esteem um but I didn't have a lot um in those days and so that's really where I felt the most accomplished I also was a pretty good student so I I really was interested in being as good as I could you know I really wanted to achieve and and be um, not put any more on my parents. You know, um, there was a lot of acting out in my house. I was very interested in not getting that kind of attention. I wanted the good kind of attention. So that was part of my whole family role. I was a high achiever and a good kid. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So so when did the uh, when did the drinking start? Uh, like prob- uh, sophomore year in college, I remember. Um, I don't know what the switch was, just something switched. It's funny. I always surrounded myself like in college, I hung out with a group of potheads. You know, I, I, it wasn't like I was hanging out with the goody goodies. I was hanging out with people that were, you know, smoking weed every day and drinking, partying and all that. And they all just knew that I didn't. And one day I decided to just start, you know, um, by the way, um, I did have sips of stuff as an, uh, in my early childhood. I remember my parents throwing parties and then making like Irish coffees and me taking like swigs of Bailey's and stuff like that in my earlier days. Then, but my, throughout my teenage years, and I believe that that was literally the grace of God saving me from, I don't know. I don't know what would happen if I drank in high school. Um, but yeah, get away to college, pressures mounting, um, you course load heavy, drank, um, did a couple other little things and it worked. It's like, as we always say, and it really worked. It was like instant, that anxiety that I had felt so much through my, um, whole life just disappeared for that moment. And I wasn't, it was the solution. I was, I put crushing pressure on myself and it was like taking the pressure off. So that was my experience with, yeah, alcohol. And so do you remember when you first started drinking? What did you, did you kind of go back to that 12 year old kid eating frosted flakes at the table and saying, Oh, this is not good that it works no. so well. Did it even register? It did not register because my uncle had hit such a low bottom in his, at the end that I did not relate to that life at all. You know, my uncle was like, he was like a fun guy, but he lived down in Queens. And whenever we went to go visit him, we'd have to go to the bar, this bar that he hung out with called the post time. So it was like a real, you know, interesting place. And this is back in the eighties when it wasn't, you know, horrible to bring a kid into a bar. So we'd go down and visit uncle Joe at the bar. And so I had a whole picture of what alcoholic was, you know, and then he, um, got sick And just like um, a lot of people who um, are alcoholics, he was told by the doctor, if you have one more drink, you will die. And he got himself out of the hospital, took the train back into the city and went to his bar. So, 
Yeah. So I couldn't relate to that. I thought, what? That's so messed up. How does he not know? Why can't he just stop? Um, his life looked different than my life looked, you know, he, so I didn't, I didn't think of him when I started drinking. That's interesting. You know, you always talk about, you You always hear in meetings, people saying, well, you know, you, everyone has that one crazy uncle Joe. You really had right. a crazy oh, uncle yeah. Joe. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Poor uncle totally. Joe. Rest uh, in peace. Totally. Right? Yes. And you know, he didn't start out like, uh, like that turning yellow. I mean, I'm sure it was, uh, I, I had Jimmy D on this uh, program here recently and, uh, he pointed out from, uh, the big book, that line that Bill says is that we gradually got worse. Mm-hmm. And that's how it happens. Yep. Uh, generally speaking, you know, it's a, it's a progression. Yeah, totally. It's cunning, baffling and powerful. All right. So somehow then you got from college mm-hmm. and I, I, I believe in, and in fact, I know you're married, right? Yep. And you want to go through how you met the hubby and how you sure. got to the Texas area. And yeah. That sort of thing? There was one husband in between. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I graduated college, uh, moved out on my own, got my own apartment, um, had a quick marriage in my 20s. Call it a starter a marriage. A starter marriage is what they call them. And then that didn't work out. And it was on my own again. Those were the, some serious party days. Like after my, you know, divorce in my mid-20s, living on my own in a really fun party area. And then... Still up Northeast, right? Still, yeah. At that point, I was in Yonkers and in a very Irish section of Yonkers. And it was on. Like it was a party. And I... Um, and then I met my husband, um, I think it was like 30 when I met him and we met out at a bar actually. Um, but I ended up getting lucky this time, you know, uh, and so have been married since. Yeah. That's great. Mm -hmm. How'd you get to Texas? His job, uh, got transferred six years ago. Yeah. So we were just, he had just recently, um, gotten gotten this job he loved it and he um and then they told him they were doing a reorg and we had to move down to texas so i had never been to texas before i found that out so it was interesting all right so your texas so i think your sobriety date is about three years ago you got to texas six years ago right mm-hmm. in that area right in my in yeah my, right? that's right but, yep so during that three years talk to me about that three years right before your entree into alcoholics anonymous yeah well i think it was I think the move was harder on me than I really thought. It was a lot of transition. We didn't know anybody down here. We didn't have any family down here. I loved it right away, by the way. Like, I'm one of those people that moves to Texas, and I'm like, wow, where where have I been? I should have been here. You know, I love I love this state so much. But definitely it was tough because I didn't have any support. So I think definitely my drinking kicked up, too, at that point. I felt lonely. Um, I was like, it's okay. It's okay. I'm fine. I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Drinking, 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 meeting new people, really wanting to have um, community and um, just, you know, using alcohol definitely as like a social lubricant uh, when you don't know anybody. So, yeah. And your daughter, you you have a daughter mm-hmm. and yep. she was born. Uh, she was born in Connecticut. So before my husband and I moved to Connecticut, uh, before we moved down to Texas. Gotcha. Yeah. And I've heard you tell the story before about being a new mom in Connecticut, going to like a new mom yeah. meeting or something. Go through Well, that. okay. The topic of the meeting that day that you heard this story was just how, how special the fellowship is in AA and how much we get each other. And then when I was uh, called on to share, I basically just shared that 
there have been times in my life where I've found myself in groups where I have maybe shared stuff that I shouldn't have that you can share in AA, but wasn't cool at a news mom's group. So um, after my daughter was born, uh, I attended this new mom's group and uh, it was just a rough time. It, it's always a rough time when you bring a new baby into the world. And I was just feeling frustrated and um, just sleep deprived and all of that stuff. And I remember and just desperate for connection too. And I remember sharing at this mom's group, like, does anybody else feel homicidal from time to time? <laughs> you know, and it just completely like the crickets. It was like crickets. Nobody, everybody looked horrified. So I was like, okay, note to self. Don't, don't share it like that anymore. I just didn't fit in. I, you know what? It's a beautiful state. I, I did, I did not, I just, I didn't feel like I really, I didn't fit in, um, at least in that circle. And, um, I longed for true connection, a place where I could say what was really on my mind and on my heart. And definitely, it's so interesting. I have definitely found that in AA and with my good friends, you know, in the program. Yeah. And with people that I just meet in the program, not just my good friends. I can just meet somebody in the program and be like, do you feel homicidal today? <laughs> you know, it's just, you can, I love, that's, I just, I love that about our community that you can just be your real self you and will. yeah, and not worry. Be vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so let me just do a little uh, uh, mid mid uh, sure. mid uh, tro here is what I call it, and then we'll pick up right when you're coming in today here after we uh, get through this. We will be continuing our conversation with Megan P in just a moment. Just a reminder: you are listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the web at www.soberspeak.com. Uh, you can also find the donate button on our website, which you can use if and only if the spirit moves you to do such. Please keep in mind this podcast is funded by you, the listener. Sober Speak is a self-supporting organization through our own contributions. We are not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. We do not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorse nor oppose any causes. All right, now back to Megan P. So you're here you're here in the Texas area for three years or so. Um, how did you find AA? Okay, well, I had quit drinking um, June 22nd, 2015 is my sobriety date, but I didn't um, actually walk into the rooms of AA until September of 2015. So what had happened is progressively, um, I could not control my drinking. I could no longer control my drinking. And so I would start with a glass of wine and I would end up finishing the whole thing on a weeknight and then it would get worse during the weekend. I think I told you about um, one time about this dinner party that we threw. We had another couple over that we were just getting to know and I drank so much that I had to excuse myself before I even served dinner and to go vomit in the bathroom and then pass out on my bed. Before I passed out, I called my husband in. I'm like, you have to tell them to leave. I'm so sorry. Um, so I had some Good situations. You, oh, my <laughs> God. You know, again, nerves and just what I, I'm just not not a story that I'm proud of. Um, but, you know, things like that started to happen to me 
where circumstances um, with alcohol would come up and I would lose control. So once I started drinking, I could not stop. And then I'd wake up the next day super remorseful, feeling so embarrassed and ashamed, feeling sorry that I put my husband in that situation. And I would say, and just like a what happened? Oh my God, what happened? Like this is, I'm not in my 20s anymore. I don't have the party girl excuse anymore. This is not cute It's not cute. I'm Mm. like a mom. You know, I started to really be ashamed of that behavior and and also ba- completely baffled by w- how I would lose control. I didn't I didn't know how that was happening. So the next day I would resolve to do a two week. I always called it a cleanse. I was like, "All right, two weeks no with no alcohol, I'm just going to cleanse out my system and then recalibrate." Um that's how I thought it worked. And then I wouldn't last two weeks. I would never make it two weeks. I would make it maybe three days. And then I would try to be a moderate lady. And then I would maybe be successful for two days. And then it would be off and running again. And then I would, you know, I just, I could never um, control. Once I took a drink, I lost the control over how much I drank. On occasion, I could control myself. Um, And then I would, that came with like so many pats on the back. I just thought that that was like the, the, best thing ever that I had done. I went out, I just had two drinks. Like that was a major accomplishment for me, which I've now realized that normal people, it's not an accomplishment. Like my husband, for example, can have one and a half beers and be fine. Um, but so I didn't like the feeling. I didn't like that feeling at all of losing control. So I thought enough is enough. I have to quit drinking. I'm just going to, I obviously can't control it. So I'm going to quit entirely. So I just on my own, decided not to pick up a drink again. Cold turkey. Cold turkey. Um, And for that few months, pressure was mounting and life seemed unmanageable. And I, my anxiety hit the roof. I um, remember not being able to like get a deep breath into my body, just very tense all the time, really not knowing how to handle situations and um, feeling super overwhelmed. So that's when I thought, okay, I might need, this all coincided with when I quit drinking, I may need some help learning some tools and calming down without alcohol. It's so... So I walked into AA. I walked into a meeting. Um, How did you find it? Do you remember? Was it online? Yeah, it was online. And um, I talked to my mom about it. I had also attended a, a yoga training about the 12 steps. Okay, yeah, of, so I wanted to yeah. touch on that. So you, so Megan uh, enjoys doing yoga as well as I do. Do We, we share that. And so we, you were doing yoga training. Was this specifically for drinking? or Yes. How, really? Yeah. So I, I had, uh, pr- prior to when I quit in June, I also tried to do a New Year's resolution in January 2015 that failed. So I never called it quitting because I, so I, I don't get, it wasn't really a relapse. I never said I quit, right? <laughs> I, um, and I did that on purpose. It was like, I, man, I just, the stuff I used to pull on myself. Let's like, leave the door open crazy. just in case. Yeah, totally. Mm. So I'm like, New Year's resolution, I'm just not going to drink because I had had a hunch for a few years that I have a problem. You know, um, as I said, in my 20s, I was just kind of, it was like a fun party time. And then I'm like, okay, this is what's going on. I might have a problem here. I might be an alcoholic. It runs in my family. But still, I knew I had this intuitive thought years before I quit. And I don't know where, actually, I do know where it came from. And it didn't come from me. I had this intuitive thought that I would never reach my full potential as a human being unless I quit drinking. 
that thought, I, it was a knowing, and I'm not sure exactly when it came to me, but I remember just knowing I'm never going to reach my full potential as a human unless I quit drinking. And it had nothing to do with earning potential or career potential. It had to do with literal human potential. I'm not going to fulfill what I'm supposed to do here unless I give up alcohol. And you'd think that that would be a spiritual awakening and I would quit. No, I still went on for a couple of years drinking, knowing that one day I would definitely have to quit. So, um, looked it up online, um, walked into, um, the Frisco group and scared to death, feeling super vulnerable. I always say if I had an invisible cloak, I would have worn it that day. I did not want you guys to see me. I did not want to be seen there. I had a lot of shame about having something in my life I had no control over. I was a control freak, you know, and I could really keep it, keep most things under control. And this was something I couldn't. So I felt really nervous walking in. I sat down, we go around the room, introduce ourselves, chips are offered. Um, Does anybody want to try our way of life for 24 hours? I did not pick up that chip. Just so people know, here in our area, uh, for those who are new in the program, uh, Desire Chip gets offered. Mm -hmm. And so that you heard that Desire Chip being offered. At the beginning of the meeting, would anybody like to try our way of life? And I, I was like... Nope. I like, I just, I stayed quiet. I did not want to walk across the room that I was so terrified. I give so much credit to people that come in and actually have the courage to stand up and walk across the room. I did end up doing that at the end of the meeting, but at the beginning I just was so, I was frozen. That's how terrified I was. So I didn't get the chip at the beginning of the meeting, but I sat and I listened to everybody who shared and I could relate to every single thing in the room that everybody said. And I thought, wow, these people are, they've, they've got something here. They are so wise. There was a lot of laughter. I thought they're so funny. These people are so cool. They're so wise. I relate to everything that's being said. I remember very little of that mean meeting except for, um, in what we we read, how it works at the beginning of the meeting. And there's a part that says we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, and powerful. And that stuck out to me. That's the only thing I remember about the meeting because I remember thinking, whoa, okay, so other people have been confused by alcohol too because I found it a very confusing issue. So when you guys said at the beginning of the meeting as part of the intro to the meeting that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, and powerful, I thought, whoa, okay, I'm not alone. Other people find alcohol baffling too. Okay, so you went to that first meeting, uh, it, and I don't think we ever really talked about that yoga thing again. So you were you yeah. were taking yoga. It, mm-hmm. Tell me about so that. So so I kind of went about things in a little bit of a backwards way. So th- there was a my mom sent me this information um, about this yoga program. It's Yoga of Twelve Step Recovery Program. And, and I had been teaching yoga for a couple of years at this point. So I thought, let me get into this program and kind of check this out. That was a comfortable arena for me. So your mom, does she know you were struggling at the time? No, at the time she didn't. She just knew that, um, she just thought that there was this, actually it was, it was a book that she had recommended called recovery 2.0. Um, with a guy, the guy that wrote it, his name is Tommy Rosen. And she recommended that book to me, not knowing that I was struggling with, um, knowing that I've struggled with various things in the past, not necessarily alcohol is that's not why she recommended the book. But um, he talks about addiction and how it relates to 
um, yoga and meditation. So I read this book. I was riveted. I was like, whoa, this is amazing. He talks. So it was like kind of a one thing led to another type of deal. He talks about this yoga program called Y12SR, uh, which was founded by this woman, Nikki Myers. And she talks about the importance of kind of moving energy around your body when you've been through trauma, which a lot of people in addiction have. And the marriage between the 12 steps and a a good yoga and meditation practice. It's just, it's a really cool um, combination. And just so, just so I I didn't quite catch that. Did you say it's called Y2SR? Y12SR. Y12. Yep. Yoga of 12 step recovery. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I took that training before I walked into the rooms kind of between the time, like I, I had quit drinking, but I, so actually, Maybe my mom did know that I was quitting drinking. Neither one of us were sure how bad of a problem I had because I I hit it very well. So um, I took that training. I remember a lot of the people in that training were in AA, and I remember them being like so cool, luminous people with the light in their eyes, you know, just recovered, healthy people. I remember asking a girl in the training about checking out AA. That was on my mind at that point, but I had not yet done it. And um, she told me that what AA provides for her is a community of people that love her unconditionally and really have helped her so much in her path of recovery. And it just sounded great, right? So like from that yoga 12-step recovery training, I really, it was like the seeds, like one thing was just slowly leading to another. I called my mom on the way back from that last meeting session, um, training session. And I said, yeah, I think I might want to, I think I might want to check out AA. I think I might need help, um, feeling good in sobriety. So I had a couple months of sobriety, but I was not feeling right. I was not feeling good. I felt anxious all the time. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you get into AA, uh, Tell me about your experience. Did you get a sponsor? Were you working the steps? You know, talk to me about your, uh, I guess, last three years here. Yeah. So um, I did. I got a sponsor immediately and started working the steps immediately. Um, Really, ever since I walked into that first meeting, I've had so many what I call what I've heard called God nods. So even that first meeting that I walked into, when I did finally pick up that chip at the end of the meeting, it was a woman who was chairing that meeting. She gave me my chip. And then later on, I, this is a noon meeting. So then I go to pick up my daughter, um, at her elementary school later on that afternoon. And I'm walking and I'm kind of in a haze because the whole thing was so surreal to me. Right. I'm like, I've just been to an AA meeting. Oh my God. Like I just felt so weird that day. Right. And so I go to pick up my daughter and standing right there waiting for her son to come out of school is the woman who handed me my chip. My 24, the woman who chaired the meeting that I went to that day. And that may not be a big deal to some people in different towns, but there are 30 something elementary schools in this town. Right. Right. So it's like the chances of that are of the woman chairing the meeting, that very meeting, giving me my first chip appears at the elementary school that I'm going to pick up my daughter. So I was like, whoa, okay, this wasn't good news to me at that time. I, I wanted to hide again, but it was, it, what a blessing. This woman is now one of my very best friends and really kind of mentored me through the first year. Um, 
of my and still continues to um, be just somebody who I look up to so much. But yes, I got a got a sponsor and I worked the steps right away. I, I was ready. I came in ready and willing to do whatever I was told to do. And I was told to get a sponsor right away, start working the steps right away. So that's what I did. And I said to my I love the meetings now. They're they're like the bright spot of my day. But I remember asking my sponsor at the time, I said, can we just do this one-on-one? I'm kind of more comfortable with just you. I don't, can I skip the meetings? Can I not go to meetings? <laughs> I'm so, like, I was like embarrassed to just be alive. I, I don't know. I was just petrified. I was so terrified, you know? And it's just so funny what, what happens, right. right? Because it's like you walk in and now that's like, that's my happy place. That's a place that feels like home to me. It's a place where I just feel such a sense of belonging and community. It's a place where I can exhale. I'm just... Oh, I love that place now, but it, it wasn't like at the beginning, it wasn't like that for me. I really felt so scared and vulnerable and yeah, all of that stuff. God bless you. All right. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, uh, step 11 just can kind of been on my mind here recently. So it's prayer and meditation. I know you do it just, but just like share your experience, if you will, around the whole idea of prayer and meditation. Okay. Well, my experience is that as soon as I started praying every morning that and turning my will over to the care of my higher power, my life started changing. That was basically the first day that I walked into AA. That was my, that was me kind of praying for help that day. And um, I just started meeting the people who I needed to meet, hearing the things I needed to hear. The more I keep in contact with my higher power, the, the just the more the next step is revealed to me. And then meditation, you know, I teach, I teach meditation through, um, the yoga classes. I noticed that for myself, Reiki is a meditation for me and it's a meditation for the people who I'm practicing on. Um, I noticed for myself that days that I meditate and I try to do it most days and I'm not perfect. And I, there are days that go by where it just, you know, it falls, uh, you know, into the cracks, but really most days it's, it's imperative that I do meditate because it's what, um, quiets my mind and it just, it's what allows me to pause when agitated, as we talk about in the program, it just centers me and it kind of quiet. And I've got a really super busy mind. You know, my mind is, that's the anxiety that I talked about that manifested differently when I was a kid, even before I drank, I had eating disorder issues. I, you know, I, I've always just this anxiety, this nagging anxiety. So meditation is just one of the tools that I use today to just calm that down. Okay. So you just caught my attention there with a, uh, and I think a lot of people can relate to this and mm-hmm. I don't know how much you want to dive into this. I know we're on an AA podcast for the yep. most part, but the eating disorder play, pace uh, is becoming more common. You hear people talk to yeah. them about it a little bit. Can you tell can you talk about how that manifested itself with you? Sure. Yeah. Well, I felt like my environment growing up was really unmanageable and out of my control. So as a kid, like even before I could pick up a bottle or a joint or anything, I could respond restrict my calorie. That's how I can kind of controlled my life, you know? And I also, there's a lot of self-loathing that goes along with eating disorders. I just, I never felt good enough. I had a lot of, um, self-loathing issues. So, you know, while playing these varsity sports in high school, I was also eating, you know, like eight wheat thins for lunch, you know, and a diet Pepsi. So I did intense, you know, calorie restriction and it was a way of kind of controlling myself. And I think really just trying to shrink down, like trying to, 
you know, it's, it's almost like a slow suicide. I was, I did not really want to be in those years. I just, I didn't want to be around, you know, I found life to be pretty painful. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting. Um, we are recording this, uh, and I don't know exactly when we're going to publish it, but we're right in the middle of the, uh, the holidays, if you mm-hmm. will. Uh, you know, Christmas and New Year's and all that sort of stuff uh, and, and you know, whatever else people are celebrating Hanukkah or whatever the case may be. So, and you know, I, there's, there's a lot of talk in the rooms about how to stay sober through the holidays. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that, that you, you, that you'd like to share by any chance? Yeah, it's, it's, I want to share that first of all, it's my, it's my, it's the hardest time of year for me to be a sober person is the holiday season. So if you are, you know, um, I know there's people that just can't get enough of the holidays and they just love it and they're just, you know, soaring through and God bless. But that for me, it's a lot, it's a lot of ups and downs. It's like, I could be really joyfully making a gingerbread house with my kids, sipping hot cocoa one minute, singing Christmas carols, just like so happy and grateful. And then the next minute I could be like, not in a great place. You know, it's, it's, a it's, I don't know if it's the nostalgia or the collective, crazy energy that's out there. You know, I don't know what it is, but it's a time of ups and downs. And I, as an alcoholic, have to guard against those, those highs and those lows. I like to try to keep it on an even playing field. So the, I learned a lesson the first year that I came in, you know, I was lucky enough to come in, work the steps, get a, get a sponsor and get relief really fast from the program. So I felt really good. So when December rolled around, so come in in September, when December rolled around, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm kind of busy. There's lots of stuff that I need to be doing. Um, maybe I'll just scale back on my meetings a little bit. And oh my God, the heat was on. I felt all a rush of um, just anxiety. I'm like, okay, don't, don't skimp on your meetings during the holidays. So just from, so it's been each year, this is my fourth holiday season sober. And each year I take better care of myself. And part of that is just going to a lot. Of, whenever I can make a meeting, I go to a meeting. That's really what helps me staying really in touch with my, um, with service. It's funny. I knew, you know, I knew we, we had this scheduled for December. I also was asked to speak at a speaker meeting next weekend. So I'm like, there's no, nothing happens by accident in God's world. So I know that that was God planting these little things um, in my life as a way to say, hey, like stay, stay cool, stay cool during this holiday season. So yeah, just, it's it's not a time where I can afford to get too busy for prayer, meditation, meetings, reading, daily check, um, you know, the daily review at the end of the day, gratitude, keeping in touch with other alcoholics, keeping in contact with my sponsor, all that stuff has to really stay super firm. I have to really hold tight to that this time of year, any time of year, but specifically for me, this time of year, I have to really dig in. So I'm I'm bouncing around here a little bit, but I want to go back to I, when you were talking about meditation. I forgot to ask this uh, particular follow up question, and that is, I want to nerd out a little bit here on your meditation. So when you meditate, can you can you give us an idea of of because it's different for everybody, mm-hmm. right? It's like yeah. praying. It's it's so so across the board. Can you give us an idea of what tools you use and, and how long you meditate or when you meditate? If it changes up. What does that look like for you? Okay. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I started off meditating for five minutes 
and I've, I've slowly worked my way up. I, I love to meditate for about 20 minutes. That's a good goal for me each day. Right now, I'm kind of doing this thing where I wake up before the sun rises. So I wake up um, and the sun is rising late here now, but um, I've been waking up around 545 and doing it during that hour, which I find to just be really calm and quiet. So I want to do it when I first, I like to do it when I first wake up in the morning and I use different tools. Um, sometimes it's guided meditation. Sometimes it's silent meditation. There are like some, when you say guided, you're like listening to... Yeah, listening to a guided meditation. Um, is it like YouTube or is it like an it, app? It's or? the Calm app I use. Yeah. Also, meditation timer is a really good one. Insight timer. Insight timer. Yes, mm-hmm. thank you. And then um, I there's um, also a Kirtan Kriya uh, meditation that I've been doing with some with some chanting and, and finger movements. I... Ooh do a sound meditation. Sometimes I'll do my singing bowls. So I mix it. I I mix it up. It's just a time of stillness where I'm not, where my brain isn't completely taking over. Right. That's really the key for me. Just a time where, where I'm not thinking about, you know, my brain isn't spinning off in a million different directions. That makes sense. Well, we are getting where, oh, wow. Time flies. I look at the the clock. Is there anything? So let me ask you this then. If if you could rent out a billboard and advertise something regarding recovery that you wanted people to see out there in the land, Mm -hmm. uh, people who were maybe struggling, uh, people who needed to find a solution, what would you want to put on that billboard? What would it say? What um, just, just yeah. share something like that? I heard this really great, great quote, and it went something like this: It was um, recovery provides everything that alcohol promised. Mm. So that would probably be what I put on the billboard: that oh. the life that you get to have in recovery is beyond your wildest dreams. You know, it's not like you get so everybody, it's not like you get sober and your problems disappear, but, oh man, the opportunities that come your way when you're on this path are unbelievable. The connections, the connection that you get to have with God, which I just don't, for me, that, for me, that connection, the connection that I have with God for me was unavailable when I was drinking and doing, you know, other stuff. It was unavailable. So the connection that I get to have with God as a sober person today, the connection that I get, the real connection that I get to have with other humans <laughs> is amazing. So it's just like, I was always looking for this. I was barking up the wrong tree. I was looking to alcohol to make me feel better. And this stuff actually really works with only positive side effects. So, I mean, I could go, I could literally go on and I could do the, I could do the billboard and then I could do the fine print. Like I, <laughs> that's how strongly, right. that's how strongly I feel like this is just amazing. It's just like, it's like I could, I could cry. It's su- it's such a great way of life. I, I wish it for everybody. I really do. I wish it for everybody. God bless you. Thank yeah. you. So you said, and just, I want to make sure recovery provides everything that alcohol promised. Yeah. And I I heard that somewhere and it just really has always, um, I feel like that's just rings true to me today. And I asked you to bring over, uh, something that may be special to you in terms of uh, a reading. And, um, why don't you go ahead and bring that up now and, um, We'll kind of close it out with this. You can give some comments about it if you'd like. 
Sure. Well, this is a this is a Reiki prayer, and it's it's interesting um, since I've been involved with the program. I just see so many every different. I love just um, kind of exploring different religions and different ways of life, different philosophies, and to me, they all come back. They're all so connected with what what we talk about in the in the rooms. So this one says, "Just for today." And this is a Reiki prayer. Yeah, is it from anything in particular? Is it a uh, like a, a book or something like that? No, it's just the Reiki prayer. So you can gotcha. look it up online. Yeah, gotcha. yep, you'll you can easily find this. So it says, "Just for today, I let go of anger. I let go of worry. I am grateful. I work on myself. I am kind to all living things." Very nice. I love it. Good. That's a great way to end the podcast, Megan. I really have enjoyed our time together. Me too. Thank you for the Reiki session. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure. I still feel light. Nice. If you will. And uh, that that was so weird that all that heat and those all the involuntary motion. That was really cool. I appreciate it. All right. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for being on Silver Speak. Thanks for having me.